Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. My name's Keith, if you've not met me. Um, lead pastor here at Reach. We're week two of a series that we've titled Love Showed Up. Uh, and I talked about last week this idea that, um, that God showed what love looks like by literally putting on skin and coming down here and living for us. And today we're going to talk about this idea um, that when love shows up, forgiveness is close at hand. Uh, when sin entered the world, people started hiding from God. We talked about that a little bit last week. Because of sin, shame and fear control most, most of our life. Some of the things we don't even know that it's interacting with us until we realize how we're hiding from people or hiding from topics or hiding from things. <clears throat> because of sin, um, we also medicate to forget. Uh, and we medicate with lots, lots of things. We can medicate with... Um, Good things to give us whatever. We can medicate with bad things, uh, and we do those to kind of get by. We give ourselves to work, uh, hoping to be distracted and hoping to seek some value out of it so we can feel like, man, I have accomplished something. I am good. I am useful. Uh, We also turn on the TV uh, to forget. Um, I've shared, you can always ask me how Heath is doing by um, how much TV I'm watching. If it's a lot, I'm trying to avoid life. Um, If it's little, then, you know, I'm doing better. Um, So what if we stop hiding from God and we live in the forgiveness that he offers to all who put their faith in his completed work on the cross? Colossians says that in Jesus we have redemption in the forgiveness of sins. Psalms 103 says, tells us that he removes our transgressions, our sin, from us as far as the east is from the west. To understand forgiveness, we have to understand a few things. First, can Jesus give it? And second, do we need it? Let's pray. Oh, Father, um, I'm sure just with the reality of sin and its work in our lives that Uh, There's many in this room that are struggling with something um, and probably struggling with the reality that you would forgive them again and again. And Lord, I pray that as we look at what forgiveness looks like, as we look at how willing you are to give it to those who come to you, um, Lord, I pray that we would um, live that Psalms 103, that our, our sins, have been cast away as far as the east is from the west, that we wouldn't live in this perpetual place of being tormented about something that God has already granted us forgiveness in. So, Lord, let your words speak to our hearts today. And I pray today that we would walk out of here lighter, that we would walk out of here understanding the grace and your willingness to always welcome us into that forgiveness. So soften our hearts today. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I'm going to be in Luke 7, um, verse 36 through 50. Um, but I want to kind of lead this up. I mean, so Jesus has done a couple of things in this chapter leading up to this point. Three things specifically, three little sections. I have one section where a centurion comes to him and needs someone healed. Um, and Jesus is going to go and interact with them, even though he's not in the Jewish family. He's not a Jew. He was willing to, and the people were so like enamored by him. They're like, man, he has done great things for our nation. He's even built synagogues. And he sends, the centurion sends word to Jesus, like, you don't even have to come. Like, just say the word. And Jesus speaks healing from afar. He leaves that. He's walking into a town, and there's a funeral procession that's going down the road. There's a young man that is now dead. Uh, his mother is a widow, meaning her her husband's gone. His father's gone. He was probably the last one that had the capacity to care for this woman Jesus walks in on the scene, sees it, feels compassion, and he tells her not to weep. Like, could you imagine somebody coming to a funeral of your dearly beloved child and saying, hey, you know, don't be emotional. Um, and he walks up and puts his hand on the casket. And I love this. I, I've, I've preached this a few times. And I love this story. But he sits up and starts talking. And I've always wondered, what did he say? Like, what do you sit up once you've been dead? What do you sit up when you wake up from that? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But he, he gets up and he gives him back to his son. And then right after that, Jesus has done these amazing things. And the disciples of John the Baptist come to him from John, who is in prison, and says, Hey, um, are you the one or will there be another? There's nothing that crushes kind of uh, the potential of how you're feeling about yourself when people that were the herald of you proclaiming who you were to then be doubting you and and what does jesus do does he belittle john and say oh i can't believe that even john um is not believing in me he said no he sends back his disciples to him and said tell him what you see the blind receive sight the dead are raised and these are all things proclaimed over the messiah and he was like hey forget of what you think, but tell them what you see. And this leads us up to this point in um, Luke 7 that we're going to be at. And we're going to talk about this encounter. So we don't know why he was invited to dinner um, by the Pharisee, but he was. He was invited to come eat, and, and a lot of them try to trap Jesus. I don't think necessarily that was the intent of this Pharisee. They're probably like, man... This is a person of honor, like I'm going to have him over to my house. And so he invites him over, and we pick this up in verse 36. It's going to be on the screen right here if you don't have your Bibles with you. So verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. See, um, I know that if you have a dinner party at your house inside, there is no expectation that people are just going to randomly walk in and participate. That would be weird. A lot of times in this culture, they were kind of held in open air places connected to the house. 
But a lot of times, especially when there's people of honor, people from the city would listen. They wouldn't interact. And so it wasn't uncommon that they were there. And, and they were reclining at a table, usually sitting on their side with their feet behind them. Just so you understand how this is going to happen. And so a woman comes in from this. She's a woman of the city, a sinner. And she comes in. We have no backstory of why she was compelled to do this. But she had had at least an interaction with Jesus or heard a teaching of Jesus that moved her to this point. And so she comes in in her brokenness and wets his feet with her tears, wipes them with her hair, which is unheard of. Like it really, the reality of even having your head, that hair down in that culture was kind of like a faux pas. But she's wiping his feet down. She, she gets this ointment and she anoints his feet and she's just sitting there weeping and loving on Jesus. Verse 39. says, Now when the Pharisees who had, been, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now this is inside, this isn't something he says out loud, he says to himself, if this man were a prophet, just the reality that he's using that phrase, but he was of the inclination that he potentially is something greater than just a good teacher. He potentially could be a prophet, but this kind of seals the deal where he was like, absolutely not. If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this, um, who is touching him, for she was a sinner. So like if he knew as a prophet, he would know who she was and where she came from. And, and in their culture, specifically the religious teachers, that would make them ceremonially unclean. They would not want sinners to touch them. Verse 40. And Jesus answering to him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. And this is a, a big deal, I mean, because teacher is a sign of respect. There, so there's this, there's this kind of weird tension where this Pharisee, this religious leader, there's some amount of honor, which we're going to see that not very much, but there's some amount of honor that he has for Jesus, but he's still like, ah, I'm not sure. So he says to him, teacher. Verse 41, it says, A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50 Verse 42, it says, When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon answered him, The one, I suppose, for whom he has canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. See, one of the things that he's saying, even in this parable that he's trying to get this Pharisee to understand because in his position, he's looking at this woman saying she's unredeemable. She shouldn't even be here. She shouldn't be touching people. This is, this is unacceptable. And he's sitting here from a high place of going, I'm good. Like, I, I don't need this grace and mercy. And even in this parable that Jesus tells him, both of them had a debt. See, one of the things that we have to understand, if we're going to understand forgiveness and appreciate it and live with it being as big a deal as it is, is we have to understand our need for it. This Pharisee didn't have much of an idea that he needed a Savior. He's like, maybe this is a prophet. Maybe this is someone that I want to, I want to know because he's important in the city and people are talking about him. Not so here. 
See, both couldn't pay. Both had a debt that was, they didn't have money to cover it. See, the problem between the two, the problem specifically with the Pharisee, is that his view of his own personal sin was little. And I think some of the dangerous things that we can live with, even now, is that we can have a low view of our own sin. And if we have a low view of our own sin, we will have a low view of God's grace because we feel like he didn't have, it didn't cost him much for us. We talk about this uh, a fair amount, um, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to heap burdens on you, but partly I am. You know, we, we play with sin all the time and think, oh, you know, that's not that big a deal because we look at other people in the world and we think, I'm not like them. Every sin causes a need for our Savior to die on the cross. And if we have a high view of our sin, we will have a high view of the grace of God for the cross. And then in verse 44, it says, Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? He hasn't interacted with the woman at all other than judging who she was. I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. In this culture, if you had an honored guest to your house, you would do these three things for them. You wouldn't wipe their feet. You would have like a servant in your house clean their feet, but it would be something that you offer. You would have a way of doing that. And so this is that part of like he honored him a little bit, but not very much because he invited him into the house, but he gave him none of these things. He didn't wash his feet or offer it. He didn't give him a kiss, which I know in our culture we're like, ooh, COVID. But it was, a, it was a sign of honor, of like welcoming, and you would anoint their head with oil. And, and here, this person who had a very high view of her own personal sin was willing to embrace ridicule from other people. She was willing to walk into a group of people that probably, because I would say she was from the town and was known of what she is and what she has done, she was willing to embrace all of that to express her, her love for Jesus. Verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. See, the more we express our sorrow for sin and our love for Christ, the clearer evidence we have of the forgiveness of our sins. Like, I don't want us to sit around and be so burdened by our own sin. We have that uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to take off that yoke of, of sin and that burden of where we have been, and he wants to give us his. But if we don't understand our own sin, and here's the danger, if we don't understand the gravity and the cost of our own sin, We'll play with it. So we'll be like, oh, you know, 
this isn't too bad. Like, I wasn't that rude to someone. I didn't, I didn't, and we'll, we'll justify all of these things that we interact with other people and we'll justify our own behavior. And I said this, I think last week, you know, everywhere we are, God's there with us. I mean, how much of our interactions in social areas would we change if we knew that the Father was standing beside us? And I know it's frustrating. I mean, like, man, this season, going anywhere, going, like, don't even try to go to Costco, don't try to go to, like, any shopping place. It's crazy. And if you've ever been in line where people, I don't know why they want to get out of a place so great that, you know, they're willing to just run over people with carts and the other. What if we understand our forgiveness so much that we were willing to change the way we interact with people over and over again, even, and here's the hard part, even when they deserve it? I think some of the hardest things that you will be called to do this season is to treat people who are going to treat you poorly well. Family included. You're going to interact with people that you're going to have the opportunity to justify your own actions, your own words, your own attitudes, your own... Maybe it's not even they don't hear it, but with what you do or how you welcome them. See, when you understand how great God's forgiveness for your sins, it changes you. Verse 48. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those at the table with him began to say among themselves. See, we, being Christians, 2,000 years after this encounter, we understand the reality of who Jesus is, or hopefully we do. Hopefully we understand that he came to give life. He came to provide a way back to the Father. They didn't understand that. So when someone says to a group of people, specifically religious leaders, your sins are forgiven. Like they're like, oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Who? And they, they said, they said amongst themselves, who is this that he even forgives sins and he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace see one of the questions i said at the beginning if we're going to understand forgiveness uh, we had to first realize can jesus do this and all the gospels and all the things that he walked into all the prophetic words all the things that were promised of the savior that he fulfilled completely were to show exactly who he was. It was to show us that he was able, and, and he played with this. See, the religious leaders of the day, they could help you with your sins by you bringing a sacrifice to the temple and sacrificing it for you so that in a moment and for a period of time, you would be cleansed from that sin. Jesus was coming to fix that system forever and become the once and for all, lamb, the final sacrifice. He says this phrase on the cross. It is finished. The Greek word translated, it is finished, is teletestai. 
an accounting term which means paid in full. When Jesus uttered these words, he was declaring the debt owed to his father was wiped away completely and forever for those who would put their faith in Jesus. See, Jesus was communicating who he was in the capacity for what he could do. And part of it, and part of the reasons why I shared the things that he did before this, these were things that were un, they weren't done before. There was no resurrection of the dead before Jesus. People didn't walk out there and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out to this funeral and I'm just going to bring this young man back. This was new. But who would have the power to do that? And he even did that when he interacted with other people that he wanted to heal. Um, I think it was the, the one with the, um, the withered hand um, where he goes in and he's going, he says first that I'm going to forgive his sins. And of course, they're like, nope, this is not right. And he says, so that you understand that I have the power to do this, he heals him. See, these are the things that Jesus is doing to show who he is. Jesus finished the job. And he finished the job so that we could stop hiding. We could stop dealing with what's going on inside of us. I mean, could you imagine leaving here today and the worry, anxiety, dread of life, the fear of judgment because of things done in the past were gone? Could you imagine, and really, the reason why, and which I'm not getting into this today, which I talked about last week, all of these have a response on our end. See, Jesus shows us forgiveness and helps us walk into that forgiveness so that we can be people who forgive. Like, I'm not even going there today. That's not even my topic of conversation. But that is the outcome of when we understand forgiveness and the magnitude of our forgiveness. We're willing and able to give forgiveness to people that don't deserve it. And there's lots of resources there. There's even one that says... um, that you know, there's no forgiveness unless we forgive from our heart. Like forgiveness is something that comes out of us because we understand what God has done for us first. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our transpasses according to the riches of his grace. And then probably one of the most famous Bible verses out there, John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. He changes our life. And the only way that he changes our life is our willingness to trust his capacity to set us free. Many of the prisons that we have because of our inability to kind of walk in that forgiveness is because we feel like we don't deserve it. I mean, some of us right now are are sitting here in this room and going like, I know, I know intellectually that God has grace for me and I know that God will forgive me and does forgive me, but we won't 
live in that reality. And I wish um, there were easy ways to do this. I wish, you know, like I could say a few words and that would just break that. And I'm going to pray that that gets broken today because if we're going to be a church that experiences God, we have to start here. Because when we, just like last week, when we talk about that reality of how much he loves us, that he showed his love for us on the cross, he went to the cross so that he could remedy an issue that every one of us had. He went to the cross to remedy the issue of us being able to live with the Father again. And he remedied that issue so that we could walk in freedom, not just to be forgiven of our sins so that we can one day be with the Father, but so that we can live here not bound to sin anymore. See, our our ability to fix ourselves is limited to our ability and willingness to surrender to Him. Because probably like me, every person in this room has things in your life that you're, you're, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> but we stay in the same place over and over again going, I'm still going to fix this, I'm still going to fix this, and we don't fix it. This is the place that God fixes it for us. This is the place that we walk into it. Here's this woman. I don't think she was going in there to get forgiveness. I don't think she was like, I need to do this thing so that he can see how much I'm broken by it. She was so compelled because of the love that she experienced by Jesus that she didn't care. She didn't care anymore what people thought of her. And I would love, love, if we had more of her backstory, because there's lots of thoughts of who she potentially is, and I would love to have her the rest of the story. That she became, you know, one a, a pillar of the church. You know, what you see, even through the Old Testament, when they came into the city of Jericho, one of the ladies that helps, helps them was a lady of the city, and she gets jotted down in the lineage of Jesus because of this one pivotal moment. Like, you see, wherever she was before, you see her life ultimately changed because of it. But she didn't go there for that. Like, I don't think, even the lady that helped them down the window, I don't think she's saying she was hoping to save her skin and the skin of her family, but she was more so going, I know that your God is real. See, this lady was willing just to express her love for Jesus because she had to. Like, I want, to, I want us to be so compelled by our love for God that we're willing to look like fools. We're willing to sacrifice our own face, meaning when someone does deserve things, our retribution, our, our words, uh, when someone probably deserves us to wave at them meanly when they drive by us erratically, that we're willing to say, God, I want to show my love for you by how I interact with people. How do we change that? How do you walk into this place that it is finished? 
for you? And that, that's a question that I want you to kind of wrestle with as we get, uh, as we close our service, as we go into our last song. That's the question I want you to wrestle with is, is it finished for you? Do you, do you and I know feel is a weird word, but have you experienced his grace of forgiveness? Are you living in that place that you know in spite of your own sin, in spite of your own shortcomings, that you're his? Because it is from that place that our life is changed, that the people we interact with are changed. That's how our world gets changed, from that place, not fighting to be in that place. One of the things that we got to wrestle with as Christians is we got to fight from this place of being forgiven and being loved by the Father instead of fighting for that place, that we're fighting to be forgiven, that we're fighting to be loved by God. Is it finished for you? Do you feel, and I know I hate that word, but do you understand His grace and love for you right where you sit, in the middle of your mess? Because that's the place that He changes everything. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. What is God speaking to you this morning? What's going on inside of you? And these are rhetorical questions, of course. Have you been so compelled by how much you know that God loves you that you worship freely? And there was (laughs) something um, real cool um, during uh, the song earlier that we were singing, the holy song. It was, I just got quiet for a second, and then when all the voices in the room started singing that, like, man, um, there was just this, this, just, this cool moment of going, man, if, if we could live in this place of declaring in unity the holiness of God, it changes us because we want to be close to the Father. We, we want to. He calls us to be holy as He is holy, but we cannot be that, and we can't walk into that thing without receiving it from Him. Jesus showed up for you, and He continue, and will continue to show up for you. But is it finished for you? Do you live in that place? And if you don't, Here's, here's the easiest thing that you can do today is to confess it. If you're willing to just say, God, I, I know the Scripture, I know the stuff that says that I am a child, that you've given me your righteousness, that I am forgiven, then that's yours. Live with the reality of what's happened and stop allowing these negative thoughts of, you know, like I think the enemy just whispers in our ears over and over because he wants to discount what God's trying to do in you. 
He might not be able to steal you from God, but he may be able to lessen your impact on the kingdom, and we don't want that. Is it finished for you? Let's pray. Father, we want to be put in a place that we see you. Lord, I don't know what happened to her to lead her to this moment, to entering in here and showering you with love and affection. But Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we wouldn't be led by trying to win your approval. Lord, even in church stuff, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be led to do, to serve, to give, so that we would be loved by you. But Lord, I pray that out of and from the place of your love for us, Lord, you change us. Lord, help us be people that are unwilling to control our affection for you, that it it bleeds over into everything. Lord, Show us your grace today. And Lord, where, where it's not finished, where we feel like our debt isn't paid and that we still need to do our part, Lord, I pray that the grace and mercy of your love for us on the cross, that we would hear those words. It is finished. Lord, let us live in a place that we walk in this reality that you have finished it for us. And let us be changed. Lord, I, I pray that this season that we reflect on who you are. Lord, you didn't come to condemn this world. You came to save it. Lord, I pray that you would start with our hearts. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that is struggling with that reality, I pray here in this last song that you would just pour into their hearts your love and affection that they would see what you did and they would feel inside that you did that for them. Lord, you've given us grace and you've given us mercy. Lord, help us live with it and live in We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.